0: Welcome to
1: Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm your host, Kurt Flegel. On this show, we're going to be talking about disappointments. We all experience them, but there is a big difference between experiencing disappointments and letting that become our expectation for life. How do we deal with disappointments without them becoming our default attitude? Join me and my good friend and special guest, Kim Ward, as we discuss these questions and more right now. Welcome back, Kim.
2: Thanks for having me back, Kurt.
1: It's uh, always a pleasure to be with you, that's for sure.
2: Same goes on my end for sure.
1: And you mean for me?
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> you're okay. <laughs>
1: hey, I'll take okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an irony that this particular show is all about disappointments Mm -hmm. (laughs) because this is our third attempt to do a show on disappointment because the technological side of this thing keeps crashing every time I get to a point where we've recorded an, an earlier show on disappointment and I'm editing it twice now that in the editing process, it's crashed. And without giving me any my backups, yeah, anything like that. And, the, and the, the first time, I had four hours or so into the editing process when it crashed and had to scramble last minute for another recording that I thankfully had interviewed someone that morning. And I had something to go to with, like, less than an hour before showtime, two Fridays ago. And yesterday, thankfully, this time when it crashed, I, I was, uh, I think I was, yeah, I, I was a few hours into it. It wasn't fully finished, and it was last night. And so I was able to reach out to you and, and call you and say, Kim, I think we're going to have to do this live, because this crashed for the second time.
2: Man seriously and you almost missed me too really yeah I was almost asleep by the time you called me
1: <laughs> okay oh man well I think that God was proud of me because I was thinking about a few things that I needed to do at a certain order and I was I was lifting them up to him oh, okay what's the order that I need to do these things in and and you fell right in the one of the first ones that I need to call Kim and I you know, had the sense of okay, we just have to do this live and I need to call Kim and see if that's cool with her. So interesting how that works. Yeah.
2: It's like God knows what he's doing or something.
1: So this is funny, again, yeah, we're talking about disappointments and this show on disappointments up to this point has been nothing but a disappointment.
2: <laughs> that's a bit.
1: We we talked a little bit in what we recorded the other day about how you felt the first time the show you found out the show wasn't airing or, or how you, even how you found out was rough and a disappointment. Would you share a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So I, I was really excited about our first recording. Um, you know, it was just, I was excited enough that I had actually told people about it, which I don't generally tend to do until it's already done and set in stone. Hmm. Um, and so I was like, oh well, you know, I'm just going to go on and check a little bit of it. And I went on to Instagram for some other reason instead of uh, Facebook, and uh, <laughs> that didn't go so well because the first thing I see is a completely different podcast being promoted.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> That's right. With, with no heads up. <laughs> and uh, the Instagram, your Instagram one didn't have a explanation of. Oh, something went wrong and whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? So I was like, okay, that's a a little unexpected. (laughs) Yeah. And then so I go on Facebook and I see, Oh, there were technical issues. And then about 10 minutes after that, I got a text message from you letting me know that there were, um, you know, there'd been issues with the podcast. And unfortunately for me, I, uh, my instant response was just, I felt crushed. Like it, it was really hard for me. Um, I think because this is something that we haven't done very often and it was something I was very excited about that it felt like something that God had really wanted me to do. And then for it to just suddenly completely disappear. Uh, it definitely threw me for a loop. Um, it took me a while to really process through um, why I was hurting so badly or something that I knew you didn't do on purpose. Mm. Yeah. You know, it was never, that thought never crossed my mind. We have a good enough relationship. I hope so. (laughs) I would hope so by this point. Yeah. You know, a few years in um, that I would know you well enough for that. But still, like, I just couldn't shake the feeling of it happened again. That, you know, once again, something I was really excited about just completely blew up and disappeared. And I did not handle it well. It was a couple weeks, or well, a solid week and a half at least, of just kind of <laughs> not dealing with it. And uh, for those of you who missed the first one, I'm an Enneagram 9, which means my go-to method is to hide. Yeah. And so I was reading a lot of books and watching a lot of Netflix and just kind of uh, trying to avoid dealing with what was going on internally because it was screwing with, it was messing with my peace mm. of mind. And I uh, couldn't seem to settle down long enough to figure out why it was bothering me so much.
1: And what did you find as you were, you know, when you got to the point of actually processing that, what what did you find underneath all of that? That was the issue.
2: Um, So fortunately it's been a God thing all this week um, with me getting to hang out with a really good friend of mine, uh, Robert, who, uh, I've mentioned in the previous podcast he's one of my uh, dearest friends. He's a, a associate pastor in Paso now, but he was a youth, he was my youth pastor
0: mm. uh,
2: back in the day, all of 18 years ago now.
1: Wow, that's a yeah. long time ago. You're old. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, mm-hmm, if you really want to start playing that game? I don't think you do. Um, but I. At that point, I was I was knowing I was going to have to talk to you about what had been going on. And I didn't know how to process it. So I started talking to Robert. And he was kind of like, well, what's, what's going on behind that? Mm-hmm. And I have had a history of times where it felt like I prayed to God for something. And maybe it initially happened. And then something would go horribly wrong. And everything that I was so excited about would completely disappear.
1: So what was happening with the radio show, that disappointment, which may not seem on the surface to be something huge, triggered a response because of previous disappointments.
2: Yeah. Um, It was something I hadn't even thought about in a while, but it was just the, I can't trust God with my future, like, every time he gets me close something's going to happen that completely disrails, derails everything that's going on yeah. and it became that mm. like, I can't trust God with my future. I can't trust God that this is going to work out, that I am actually going to have a life and a hope. Mm. And yet knowing you, <laughs> I would
1: say you hold to the Bible as God's word, as scripture. And what he promises there, the things he promises to us as his beloved sons and daughters, those who receive him through Jesus, that, yeah, those promises, you hold to those. And yet, in this area, you've had a hard time Trusting those promises over that voice telling you, another voice telling you he can't be trusted, that he's disappointed you time and time again with the things that you that you hold most dear and the dreams that you have. Yeah. Yeah. So, some those circumstances that have led to that. What are some? I guess what I'm asking is, what are the some of those circumstances that have led to you? believing that voice, listening to that voice above the voice of God and his promises to you?
2: Um, Well, I think the first one, some of this feels a little bit like a repeat, obviously. (laughs) We literally just talked about this on Tuesday, but um, the first one was, so when I was, when I was really little, my mom had two horses and one of the horses was the best horse my mom has ever owned. She was beautiful. She was black. Mm. She was safe. Um, She's the horse, the first horse I ever sat on. There's a picture of me and my mom um, sitting in the saddle together and we both look super happy. And she's the, she was just, she became that dream horse for me. Mm. And when I was around five, my mom decided that she didn't have enough time for two horses and she wanted me to be able to ride with her. Instead of asking me if I'd be willing to learn to ride on this horse, his name was Jane. um, She thought it would be, I would be more interested if she got me a pony, Hmm. which was a horrible, horrible idea. That pony was a jerk.
1: (laughs) So you went from Jane to jerk.
2: Yes. From Jane to jerk. That's really great. (laughs) Um, So, but in the back of my mind, she became that like that ideal, that dream Horse. Jane did. Jane did. Um, especially because I, I was that horse crazy girl that read all the Black Stallion books and Black Beauty and, okay, frankly, about a billion other horse related books. And she was wh- that black. And she was black. <laughs> and she was pretty. Mm. You know, especially from a five year old's point of view. Yeah. Um. And so when I got a little bit older, I started praying to God, asking God, I want Jane back, like. Yeah, you know, I want to see her again, and I was 12-ish, and God answered that prayer,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it wasn't exactly the way I had hoped for it, um, she was old, and she'd bowed both the tendons in her front legs, so she needed a lot of rehab work, and my mom was too busy, and uh, not interested in doing the rehab work, but uh, I was. So I spent a year, first part of the year, hand walking her around the block, walking a couple miles every day with this horse. And then eventually I got to ride her bear back around and we just gotten to the point where she could do more than walk with mm. me on her back. We could trot just a little bit. And she got colic. And she died. And she actually almost <laughs> crushed me in the process. Um, I, I had never seen any of our pets die. And this was a 1,200 pound um, dream pet. Yeah. So to speak. And I just, I couldn't understand what had happened. I'd spent so much time and energy, and it didn't seem to be for any reason. So that was that first kind of large disappointment.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, how old were you?
2: I was probably a 13. I was 12 when we got her, and probably about 13.
1: And so from five years old to 13. Jane was pretty, the pretty, pretty much the biggest desire yeah. that you had that you were praying for. Something that you were really praying for more than anything else. And eight years for a kid who's thirteen <laughs> is a really long time. I mean, that's that's a that's a huge portion of your life. That's more than half your life at that age. Yeah. And so to be praying and putting so much effort into that, especially seeking God on that, you know, trusting him, probably the biggest, the first biggest burden and dream that you had that you bring to God and to see that just come, well, to literally die before your eyes is a, is a huge disappointment to say the least.
2: Yeah. And And
1: it was. So what, what was your sense, I guess, what, how are you feeling towards God in all of that when that happened?
2: I had a very different relationship with God then. I knew a lot about him thanks to my parents. Um, they were firm believers, and you shouldn't just know a few cute Sunday school stories, but that you should actually know why you believe what you believe. Hmm. Um we did Don't Check Your Brain at the Door. We did all sorts of uh, studies and Case uh, for Christ and everything wow. else. Yeah, Mom was a little intense <laughs> uh, on this stuff, but she, she she had good reason for it. So in my head, I knew that God was still real. But what I was experiencing was a God that was very distant and that didn't actually care that much about the day-to-day personal relationship with me. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I I never remember doubting that he existed. I just remember doubting how much he actually cared. So
1: that was a hurt. That disappointment led to a hurt. Yeah. And the hurt leads to a mindset, what Celebrate Recovery calls a hang up, Uh, an attitude, a mindset that the message you're receiving and believing, even through, Bible memorization through your parents and through doing these really cool studies is still even though this stuff is going on, the mind the, the message you're receiving is that God is distant, which creates the mindset that you have to take care of it yourself. What is that? What kind of what kind of behaviors come out of that mindset if God is distant?
2: Uh, in my case just a lot of, I kind of almost stopped trying.
1: Like praying. Try, well,
2: not just praying, but honestly, like there was also I was, at that time I was receiving messages of you should have never been born and you're gonna fail. So from I, people. Fr- from from people that, you know, they were some of the biggest influences in my life. They were family members, telling me these things. So. When I say I stopped trying, I mean, I literally, I was so scared of life that I pretty much holed up in my room, read books, (laughs) maybe did a little art and a little music, but I, that's when I started praying, God, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm. Like I'm terrified to live because I don't think I'm going to make it. So that became the story is you're not going to make it. Like there's no point to your life. So why bother trying to do
1: anything with it? How did God reveal Himself? That He's you know the one thing I always I know is God's always pursuing us even in our hiding. We go back to the third chapter of the first book in the the whole Bible, right? Genesis chapter three, and we see Adam and Eve doing the thing that becomes a pattern for all of us, right? Running and hiding from God in distrust trying to cover up all of their nakedness and vulnerability and God coming after them saying, where are you? And what I have come to understand is that when God does that, that kind of thing, he's not asking the question out of ignorance. He's all knowing. He's asking the question to create, to, to create a, a, an opportunity for response. and, so how was God pursuing you in your hiding in those days?
2: Oh, man. Um, looking back now, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, I think just, I'll yeah, see if I can put this in the words that work for me. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. But, uh, Take your time. I just, I kept reading. I kept reading his word because, well, frankly, my attention span for sermons was horrible. But, um, <laughs> you and a million other people. Yeah. Please. But uh, my parents were firm believers that um, if you were old enough that you didn't get to go to kids' church, you didn't get to skip out on the sermon. You had to sit there. And the only acceptable alternative to paying attention was reading the Bible. mm and so I kept reading all these stories about God showing up, you know, I loved David and I'm Daniel and all of the old Testament stories because they were actually stories. So they kept my mind engaged, mm. you know, and I kept going, well, I keep seeing him and it kind of stirred up a hunger in me that I didn't do anything about necessarily, but a hunger to experience that for myself, to experience him being personal and close. Like it seemed like he was, Hmm. Um, with David, with Daniel, with all these Old Testament
1: people, yeah.
2: People.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting. So it was stirring up this desire for for it to go from head knowledge to life experience. God was stirring that up in you. Yeah. And what I know is that this is a war for our hearts and minds. And there is an enemy who is the father of lies and a murderer since the beginning, as Jesus describes him, who will war against those desires. And I think what how he hit you early on was in disappointment and these other, you know and the other messages you received about that you shouldn't have been born. So how did he what kind of disappointments did he hit you with when this desire, to pursue God starts welling up in you?
2: Um, well, he, he took his own sweet time with it a little bit. Uh, so I have a younger sister who you know, because she's the reason that we have this friendship that we do now. <laughs> yes. Um, but right about then, so I'm, I'm two years older. So I'm about 18 at this point. Um, my friend Robert just became the youth pastor and my sister is crashing and burning mm. and I'm going to bed at night, not wake, not knowing if I'm going to wake up in the morning and she's not going to be there. That, physically. That's physically not going to be there. She, uh, she was cutting and she was mm. um, suicidal. And <laughs> to say that uh, the years between 18 and 19 and almost 20 were crazy is a little bit of an understatement. Mm. Um, it It was a, pretty consistent thing to have her go to the emergency room because she's cut herself too deep or um, our house was just chaos at that point and in the middle of this is when I'm starting to feel like this major tug on my heart because at this point I'm so alone like I didn't trust anyone so but I knew God existed <laughs> and so I'm trying to turn to him in the middle of all of that and it drove me deeper towards him,
0: wow,, um,
2: it's a crazy thing what what all that craziness that turned my sister away from God is what what drove me to him
1: interesting, yeah, and so in that period, we see the two choices we really have, right. And it, it the choice to in the disappointment to run to God or in the disappointment to run from God goes back to again the garden, right? We can either in the fear and the disappointment, we can listen to the, the lies of the enemy telling us whatever he's telling us specifically for us, the lies he's telling us about God and about ourselves, and we can believe those and run and hide. Or we can and choose to believe what God says about himself and about us and run to God. And what, what you're saying is you ran in that season, you took the choice and ran to God.
2: And he showed up. And
1: your sister ran from him.
2: Yeah.
1: So what did you see as the difference between yeah, those in those choices, the the uh, consequences, I guess, of those choices for you and for her.
2: Well, for me, running to him um, eventually led to, as we talked about in the first podcast, um, it led me to YWAM, and it led me to actually. YWAM. YWAM, sorry, Youth with a Mission. I keep forgetting that not everyone knows my acronyms.
1: And YWAM is a is a mission organization for younger people. Is that?
2: Um. So they do. That is their main focus. Is um, the eighteen to about thirty five crowd. Although they do also offer the same programs for um, families and for older people as well. But yeah, the original heart of the program was that you would have a six month stretch of time. Where you wouldn't have to worry about jobs, you wouldn't have to worry about school, you wouldn't have to worry about family or anything else, but you would just get about four months of in class, learning who God is, how he speaks, who he is as a father, um, all sorts of different things, and then a two-month missions trip to put everything you learned into practice. Mm. And For me, that was life-changing. That was that first moment of, oh, I can hear God. (laughs) Like, it's not just for pastors and people who are super spiritual, but it's for me. Like, you know, the awkward kid that sat in the back and tried to be invisible. (laughs) Um,
1: Typical Enneagram 9 behavior, if if anyone out there is a 9 or knows the Enneagram. Yeah.
2: Yeah um so that that was my that was my story that was what started the fact that we're having this conversation now is a direct result of the eighteen eighteen seventeen eighteen years ago um hmm. that was kind of the start of my journey for real and on the other hand, I saw yeah your sister what happened with my sister and it took it took her down some pretty dark places um she experienced things that I wouldn't Wish on someone that I completely disliked, mm. and she wound up very far from God and very far from from us, and very hurt and very broken. Yeah. Would you say that that
1: her choices to go in that direction, the the best word to describe that season because of those choices would be brokenness?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: So that same season, that first Warren Ram experience for you, how what word would you put over that experience? Oh man. That season.
2: If Liz was brokenness and mine was healing.
0: Mm. Like what how?
2: That was like that was the start of of realizing that there was more to life than just trying to survive and get through. Hmm. That. Even though I was struggling to believe it, and obviously it's taken me a little bit of time that there was actually a plan for my life, that there was more to to this world than just <laughs> struggle.
1: Yeah, and disappointment. And
2: disappointment, because that was mostly what I'd known. But I was getting to see life and see people changed, and mm. you know, see think, see God move in ways that I had never expected or experienced.
1: Even through you?
2: Even even through me and you know, I spoke in front of my first youth group all in outreach. I mm. totally forgot about that. <laughs> um, with the translator. So Wow, where was that? Uh we were in Puerto Rico.
0: Uh, cool.
2: And this little tiny church in the middle of nowhere and it was scary as I'll get out. <laughs> but it was worth it. And like the kids were so excited and they were hanging on every word. And I was like, I'm like, "Mm, you don't have anything better to do. (laughs) Like I could think of a few things, but they were so excited and like there were girls crying and, you know, I was just seeing so much life, like seeing that there was still purpose. And Mm. I think, especially in that season, because I grew up as a church kid and, And in Puerto Rico, there's uh, (laughs) we joked that there was a church on every street corner. Mm. But there was a lot of religion and not a lot of freedom. Yeah. And those kids grew up in church just like I did. And just like me, you could tell that they hadn't really gone from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Mm. So I think... You know, in that way, it was another way of God going, look, I'm using your story in a way you didn't expect, you know, to, to impact, um, you know, these teenagers. And, of course, that eventually led to, you know, me doing youth ministry <laughs> um, for real and loving that and getting to do that.
0: But, but
1: I want to stop there because I think what... One of the things I'm sensing in this mm-hmm. is the importance of, of the idea of the choice between going to God and disappointment or running from God is not just a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. It's a continual, almost, I would say, moment-by-moment choice, right? We're going to be disappointed a lot in yeah. life. That's just the world we live in because of... A, we mentioned Adam and Eve going all the way back to the garden. God gave them choices and they chose to go down a path to run away from God that brought disappointment and made disappointment a reality in this world. Death, disease, disappointment, all of these terrible D words, you know, (laughs) darn it. And so it's a constant temptation well, it's a constant reality that disappointment occurs and a constant temptation of what we're going to, what are we, you know, what are we mm-hmm. going to do with that? So that wasn't the only time, that wasn't the end of the story, right? Oh, no. What What are some disappointments you hit even in the YLAM years and in the youth ministry years oh, yeah. that threatened to derail your trust in, in God's promises that That you had more than he had more that he had more than survival in mind for you.
2: Yeah. Well, in in this case, um, with me after I finished my discipleship school, God immediately um, was like, "Hey, you're going back," and they had a summer program. To YWAM. To YWAM. It was a a mini leadership school that worked alongside um, their summer of service program for their 15 to like 18, 19 year olds. So, you know, kids that were a year to two younger than me in mm. some cases. And I was so excited. I have no idea why, because I don't, didn't want to be a leader. <laughs> and so I I still say that God blocked my ear to that word. When they were we, talking about when, it? when we were talking about when I was talking about it. <laughs> Because I was using those words. I was saying it was a mini leadership school. And I wasn't freaking out. (laughs) That's funny. Um, And it was, for in that case, that was an example of God providing. I came home with $13 in my bank account. Had two and a half weeks.
1: This is from the first trip? From the
2: first trip. Okay. So there there was this little tiny, tiny gap. $13 in my bank account needed probably $300-ish. Ideally more. And um, had my dad going, no way, it's not going to happen, it's impossible. Mm, I and, love that word, <laughs> impossible. Yeah, well, uh, God was laughing definitely when my dad said that because I came back to do a report because my church had had um, pretty well paid for all of my outreach phase. And the pastor's like, well, what do you want to do next? Uh, and I go to tell them about school and. I walked off the stage, church ends, and people just start walking up to me and handing me checks and handing me money. And I think I walked out the door that day with $500. So
1: much for the impossible.
2: So (laughs) much, yeah. So much for the impossible. Um, And then, of course, the program. Once I got there, my journal is full of entries going, God, what are you doing? I don't want to be a leader. You're insane. (laughs) Um, This is crazy. Like, but in the middle of all that, it started building up that love for youth,
0: mm.
2: you know, living with them and forcing them to go to their work to that they agreed to do. <laughs> um, it, but it just, it just built up a passion in me for that. And I felt so at home in YWAM mm. on that particular, in that particular base, there were so many people who loved me, who were fighting for me, who you know, who I'd been through all this stuff with. And I was like, God, I really want to go back. So that became my prayer. God, can I go back? And I knew for a third time. And I'm like, I knew I should have been more specific, (laughs) but I wasn't. And so I kept feeling like I heard him say, yes, you're going back. And then I go online to apply. And the school that I wanted to do, which was a worship school was canceled. Mm. Um, because the people who were leading that school were transferring to a different YWAM mm. base in a different part of the country, and so the only school that was being offered was a ministry school, with uh, leaders who, much as I like and respect them now, terrified me to no end because they were kind of intense um, people who mm. who I'd already met, yes, and who had experienced a little bit of it, and I wasn't sure if I could trust them. Mm. Um, But I was like, okay, God, did I hear you wrong? Mm. And um, I talked to Robert, and I talked to um, a couple in my church, which are the ones that originally encouraged me to go YWAM in the first place. And it just wouldn't leave my mind. He's like, I said you're going back. Well, what's the only school left at this point? (laughs) Right. There's
1: there's plan A or plan A.
2: (laughs) It's like you're going back. So I wind up going and applying and getting accepted for the ministry school. And one of the things besides hearing from God, you're going was it's going to be harder.
1: You heard that before you went.
2: Before I went. And I'm like, I don't care, God. I want to go. You want me to do this? I mean, I'm 20 years old. I am on well, as on fire as a nine gets, <laughs> um, it was definitely making me uncomfortable <laughs> with my enthusiasm levels. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't seem to stop being enthusiastic about it or about almost anything at that point. Um, and it was a fight the whole time to get there. Uh, the enemy started going, "Oh are you, did you really hear that?" My parents were not supportive of this third school. They thought, they were hoping that YWAM would get my brain on track, air quotes, so that I would go to college and get a steady and safe job and mm. cause them to no longer worry about me.
0: Mm. Uh,
2: that still hasn't worked. <laughs> um, so by the time I get there, I'm completely exhausted, and I'm in the, the middle of a nice desert season where I'm trying to find God, and I can't sense His presence for the life of me,
1: and in the middle, so that was disappointing after two really incredible experiences at y y m now you have this desert experience, this dry season, spiritually dry what was the what was the biggest disappointment and the message you received during that season
2: uh, so the biggest one would have been we so we all split the because it was a ministry school, um, they split everyone up based on what they were interested in. So me and this other guy Joel wound up with a church and a youth pastor in the little town of Angels Camp, California. And we were interning you know, essentially we were youth mission youth interns. Okay. Which in this case really meant grunt labor. <laughs> <laughs> to do all the things that uh, that uh, this particular youth pastor had a hard time saying no. Hmm. So he would say yes to everything from, you know, set up and yard duty and, frankly, landscaping and planting trees. And, uh, That's interesting. He, <laughs> well, I'm not sure if he would have said yes to that one if we weren't there, but okay. all the other stuff was stuff that he actually did. Um And at the end of the two-month internship, he sat us down for our final meeting, and we had our one-on-one. And he told me I had no business considering being in youth ministry. He told you that? He told me that. He said, unless God changes something drastically, you have no business being in youth ministry.
1: Now, what did he get to observe in you doing youth ministry that would lead him to that opinion?
2: I haven't the foggiest clue because for the most part we didn't really do anything that actually had a lot to do with youth ministry outside of, uh, I kind of re- did my reinforcer role hmm. of making sure the kids were behaving.
1: So you really didn't have any opportunity to even reveal God's gifting to you in that area or calling. Yeah. Because you're too busy planting trees. <laughs>
2: Well, yard duty and other things probably would have been a little higher priority. But, yeah, yeah, I definitely never have quite figured out where he got that from since we didn't really do much that I would have said had actually to do with youth ministry specifically.
1: All right. So here's the question. In that season, you hear this, which goes directly against what God has been revealing about about your life as, you know, as far as youth ministry goes and yeah. the desire that he's bringing up in, in you. So did you, in that disappointment, which I, I can't imagine the the level of disappointment that was the hurt that came out of that. But in that moment, mm-hmm. did you run to God or, or run away?
2: Oh, I ran so far mm-hmm. away. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely did not, I mean, I made small attempts, but I was, if, if I felt like I was hearing God say anything about the future, I was shutting that down in about half a second. Mm. I was more than willing to hear I love you, but I wasn't willing to hear I have a plan for you.
0: Mm. Why and, is that?
2: <laughs> because I, I just couldn't believe it again, like, the the hurt from the disappointment was just so great that I wasn't wanting to risk feeling that hurt again mm. and of course then um we have uh once i got back we have we a pastor forced out and not the church not handling it well um my mother kicking me out of the house and going to the same church as me but refusing to talk to me
0: wow.
2: we have uh my best friend robert and his wife, once the pastor leaves, they leave and they move away.
1: Because he was the youth pastor. and he... he
2: was the youth pastor. And he prayed about it and felt like God was calling him to go. Like he didn't do it hastily.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, I at least didn't get blindsided by that one. Yeah. And then I was staying with a lady from the church. And when the pastor got let go, she's like, hey, he has a big family. I'm going to go stay with one of my kids and I'm going to let them have my house. But that means you have no place to live. Mm. So. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. The hits keep coming. The the hits keep coming. I wind up, there was a family in the church who um, I had known the dad pretty well. And their daughter is like a year, a year older than me. And they're like, well, my wife could use some help. So you can come and move up to West Point, California with us. And uh, I was probably not the most helpful person during that time period. I mean, I, I, I did help some, but I, my uh, MO was even worse than it is now as far as hiding went. Um, the Inside of the little fifth wheel trailer that I was living in kind of, it looked like a nest. <laughs> That's the nice way of phrasing a it. A layer. It was a layer. It was a layer <laughs> with dirty clothes and books everywhere and it was not good I didn't last nine months wow. there um, before I wound up moving back home well back to the area and crashing on people's couches
0: hmm.
1: so that's a season of running and hiding and <laughs> that, would you say the same word you used to describe your sister's period of running was also yours brokenness
2: yeah yeah that was definitely there was a lot of brokenness going on in that and and not knowing how to deal with any of it hmm. and thanks thank thank, <laughs> thank God literally um that despite all that brokenness I couldn't think of what to do, so I wound up going and helping volunteering with the youth ministry because I just couldn't seem to get away from it.
1: Is't it interesting? Yeah. We talked about how God pursued you in the earlier season, yeah. And you ran to Him, even when your sister ran away. And then you have your season of running away, and He still is coming after you, like he, again, like you did Adam and Eve. And somehow you find yourself back to serving in ministry, even though that's probably the greatest disappointment of your life. Hearing someone say you'll never, you'll never be a leader in youth ministry, yeah. and you find yourself back serving in that very ministry. I mean, that could that could be seriously harmful, you know, to a person to be in the place where they have their greatest disappointment, and yet that's where God puts you. Yeah. So, what was your reaction to being serving in youth ministry when, when you had that echoing in your head that you'll you were never cut out to be a leader in youth ministry, even though that's what you felt God was saying.
2: Well, it was a wrestling match for sure within my heart. Cause there was a part of me that loved it. Mm. That was getting life from it. And there was other part going, dude, pull back now before you get hurt again. Uh, I love the Josh Reebok quote that says um, how the parts of me disagree. It's a wonder this body doesn't shatter. <laughs> Because that was literally, it was that tug of war of, mm. you're getting life, like, this is good, this is what you're meant to do, and I'm terrified, and I need to run, and this is never going to work. Like, I was volunteering, and as as you know, since you've known my story, um, about, I think I was only home for six to nine months at this point, and the guy that was the part-time youth pastor winds up needing to leave. Um, to get a full-time job
0: Mm.
2: and uh, one of the guys that was on the elder committee was like Kim you should do it you should be the next youth pastor and I said no
0: why?
2: because I I still believed that um, the previous pastor's words were true that I couldn't do it and I said no two more times (laughs) Good thing Brian was persistent. <laughs> um, and God was persistent in that. And oh. I fin- finally came to a point where I couldn't get Brian's words out of my head. I couldn't get, hey, you're supposed to, do- like, I think you're supposed to do this. Mm. And so I'm walking down the street, walking the Flaze dog and wrestling and crying because that's normally how my wrestling goes, <laughs> lots of tears. Mm. And I hear a voice I hear God's voice say, Did I say that you're not supposed to be a youth pastor? <laughs> and I was like, Okay. Water works He's like, I never said that. You took his word for mine.
1: How when you say you you heard God's voice? Um how did that How did God reveal himself or how did you hear God's voice specifically? Because sometimes I think we say these things and, and, you know, people have a hard time going, well, how do I know when it's God's voice in the midst of disappointment, how do I know which one's God's and which one's the enemy lying to me or my own self speaking, whatever I'm trying, you know, myself is whatever appetite or desire I have just for that particular
2: moment. Um, In this case, I'd say for me, it's most often the still small voice, which is that voice in your head that kind of sounds like you, but saying things you would never say. (laughs) Um, And of course, what I was taught was it always has to line up with scripture. If it doesn't line up with scripture, it's not true. And keep in point at this point, Brian has told me three times, I think you're supposed to be the youth pastor. So I've I've had word from other people. You yeah, know, multiple I've, times. Multiple times. You know, I've I've been reading scripture where God says, you know, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You have a hope and a future. And you know, it just kept coming up in my heart, like, like part of me really wanted to say yes, and the other part of me was scared. Yeah. You know, and then so when that still small voice came up and said, did I say, I was just like, well, that (laughs) that's the last nail in the coffin of fighting that one.
1: So what I'm hearing is God spoke to you in your own mind. Yeah. in, In prayer. He spoke to you through other people. He spoke to you through your circumstances. He spoke to you through His Word, and He did it in, in through all of the, those the ways He was speaking. They were all a, a consistent message. A same message was rising up. Yeah, I find that that's often the case. How, how do we know when it's God speaking above the noise of our circumstances, above our disappointments, above our dreams, even even our personal dreams? Sometimes. Yeah. He speaks something that isn't necessarily the dream we've been having and he gives us a new one. So how do we know? And I think that one is a big one for me personally is that God cuts through the the noise of the world by speaking the same message through multiple sources or at least multiple times, even if it's through the same source, in this case people three times. If I hear the same message three times, after the second time, I begin to pay attention. This may be God, and i I begin to actively pray god if that if if what I heard in those two different occasions where I didn't go looking for it,
0: yeah,
1: didn't go asking and trying to fish for for it, but this message came out without me prompting it what I need one more, God, I need yeah. one more. I need you to speak up and give me one more confirmation, and I and I get it. And that's what sounds like you. You had more than three. You had multiple com- confirmations because it. It sounds like that's what you needed to break through, the lies.
0: Yeah.
1: There's a big thing for me in this, um, season of my life. There's been many words that could be described of of Jesus. Redeemer is one of them. Another is Reconciler. Yeah. What I hear in your story is profound to me personally because I hear that in that season where you you um, had bought into the lies of the enemy, you had made a choice in disappointment to listen to the lies and run away from what God had said. And And there was this shattering inside of you. And there was all of these contradictions, all of these pieces. This dream was still over here, the dream of youth ministry, the dream of being a leader and being used by God in, in that arena. But over here, this other side is like, that will never be you. You can never do that. And so there's all these contradictions, all these pieces. And through it all, what I hear is the story of God being a reconciler, of taking. And you fought and wrestled, and there was, you know, there was, no, there was, no peace. Not a lot. There was a lot of brokenness and a lot of um, inter, in, inner turmoil. Which for a nine, no is a nine hates conflict. You no know? kidding. And so here comes God. Even though you're resisting, even though you're the one who is allowing the conflict to continue, even unconsciously, because you're believing the lies of the enemy. God is the reconciler who's taking all of that turmoil and bringing every piece, every contradiction together, reconciling them into harmony within you as he continues to pursue you. And he softened you and your defenses and resistances to the point where you would see that he is still a God in the midst of the disappointments, that he was still speaking an affirmative message to you that, yes, you ha- I have a plan and a purpose for you. Yes, it is in these areas. And that sounds like that moment you you finally let go of, of the disappointment and the lies it was producing and uh, received what God was saying.
2: Yeah. Well, (laughs) mostly (laughs) at least that was, that was the start. I will say that because I went into it still feeling like I was going to fail, but not being willing to let that hold me back anymore.
1: Yeah. Nice. So you, you accepted the invitation, even with fear of disappointment. Still there. You moved in. And so how did God affirm that? What are some of the ways that he affirmed that in that season?
2: Oh, man. You know, it was, I loved the almost five years that I got to do that. I got to see kids grow up. You know, I got to watch them from the time they were little sixth graders, annoying crud out of everyone else (laughs) in the youth group. And um, even though I, I stopped being paid after five years, I still actually continued on with those students and got to see a lot of them graduate high school. And I will say I didn't necessarily see much in the moment um, with the kids I was dealing with. They were mostly non-churched kids who were coming in at least as wounded as I was, hmm. sometimes even more than me.
1: What a perfect ministry for you. God making you into Jesus, the wounded healer.
2: Yeah, but I did see. I saw kids who, when they started out, wanted nothing to do with God and would disrupt every message I gave multiple times. By the time we got done with that, they'd softened. Mm. They were the ones telling the other kids to shut up. <laughs> you know, they were the ones that were fighting for me. That. Mm that when things all went south um, with that particular ministry, that they were writing me notes, that they were checking on me to make sure I was okay. You know, they were pursuing me and going, we love you. Like, we still want to do youth group. Like, we still want you in our lives,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know. So it became a thing of like, oh, I guess I did have an impact on them after all. And then I actually... Um, just in the last year, um, one of my students who was one of my boys. Um, when you say that, you know? I, mean, I mean like one of my sons. Oh. Uh, this particular kid, I, I spent a lot of time with him. And he let me know on Facebook. He's like, You had such an impact on my life. He's like, You taught me what grace looks like, you taught me what forgiveness looks like. And <laughs> wow. I just about broke down into tears in that moment going I had no idea you know I was just trying to love you guys
0: mm.
2: because that's what they needed most
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, and to get that message you know now I was like oh okay
1: Kim do you think if you hadn't gone through the disappointments and wrestled through those things for yourself you would have been able to be that kind of a leader to them
2: To be honest, no. And I know you and I have had this conversation. Um, I had to come to a point in the last year or two where I was wrestling with God um, about my adoption, about all the pain I'd gone through. And God kind of did a, I'll give you a choice. What if I took you back and put you in your birth family and you still got to know me? But every person that you touched because of what you've been through, you wouldn't know them. Mm-hmm. And I had to go, "I, I can't not choose the people yeah. that I yeah. love. Yeah, you know it's worth it, yeah it's hard and it hurt, <laughs> and there's still times where I wrestle with it, but you know, God has used what the enemy meant for evil, God used for good.
1: He, he brought all things together, reconciled all yeah. things together for good. Yeah. For those who love him are called according to his purpose. That's what he does, according to Romans yeah. chapter 8. So in the, we only have a few minutes left. So here's what advice would you give to people looking back? Yeah. What advice would you give to be able to to tell people this is how I learned to slow down and pay attention to God's voice in the midst of disappointments. What, what practices would you give them? Because this is important because I really believe it is our choice. Yeah. God gave me something just a couple of days ago that says this, there's only two paths in life, vulnerability or victim mentality. And there is no power in victim mentality. Yeah when we just allow the enemy to speak to us and pummel us with these lies and we buy into it, we're, we're, we're creating victim mentality. Yeah. So it's our choice to be vulnerable to God in the moment of disappointment, to to feel it deeply. That's vulnerability to feel it deeply. And then the vulnerability also is to go to God and say, this is how I'm feeling and this is what I'm thinking, and I need you to guide me in it to hear your voice in the midst of it. So what practices help you choose vulnerability over a victim mentality?
2: Oh, man. Um, I've made a habit of it, and admittedly I occasionally fall out of it. But just taking – you have to find where you connect with God best. You know, for some people, it's alone in their room. For some people, it's out walking in nature, Whatever it looks like for you, but you have to find those times where you feel safe to be with God, to feel his presence. For me, it's mostly out in nature. And then you have to get to the point where you realize that he's not afraid of your anger, Mm. that he actually wants you to come to him with everything you're feeling and that he's the safest one. I love what it says in Philippians chapter two, when you go to the Passion translation, it says, God became vulnerable for us. And so that, that's something, I mean, I think possibly because I didn't trust people, but I needed someone to turn to, it made it easier for me to trust God. Mm. As weird as that sounds, I believed enough of scripture to know that he said he'd never turn away from me. So that meant I could bring him all that stuff. So the practice of being still, That's the big one because we get so busy and we're so proud of being busy. But God's not like that. He Mm. took an entire day of rest, even though he didn't need it Mm. to be still and to enjoy what he created. So taking the time to be still and be with him. And even if being with him goes like, God, I'm angry at you, and I don't understand what you're doing, and I don't like it.
1: Yeah.
2: Show me what you're doing in the middle of this, Mm. and then you got to shut up and listen. (laughs) Can't just ask the questions. Can't can't just ask (laughs) the questions, and that's a hard one because I like to get instant responses, and um, sometimes he does, but sometimes the invitation is to sit with him like you would any friend.
0: Hmm. and
2: sit with him and be with him in the middle of the process. And...
1: You're, you're reminding me of a, a quote that I heard years ago from the guy who pastored the church I was on staff with first. It just says this. He said, we ask questions of God. God doesn't always give us the answers, but he gives us something greater. He gives us himself. Yeah. He gives us his whole, his whole self and vulnerability. Even if we don't have the answers in the moment, we have God's love and we have him being there with us. But it's up to us to choose to be still enough to sense God's presence. One of my favorite scriptures right now is where Moses is in the midst, midst of mess and disappointment with Israel. The people of Israel are just disappointing Moses as their leader over and over again. And God's telling them they're going to go into the promised land. And Moses like, look, he goes, I'm going to, God says, I'm going to send an angel with you to go before you and give you victory. And Moses says, God, if your presence doesn't go before us, do not send us up from here. And this promise of God is just so beautiful. It says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Well, that's all the time we have. Kim, would you, would you pray for the people listening to close us out? Sure. God, thank you for
2: tonight. Thank you for the people that are listening to this podcast now, the people that will be listening later. Father, you have a hope and a plan in the future for them. Dad, even in the middle of circumstances that we don't understand and in the middle of pain, Father, help us to turn to you first. Hmm. Dad, help us to remember that you're not scared of our anger, that you're not scrambling to cover your bases when it comes to our circumstances, that what surprises us is no surprise to you. And Father, help us to cling on to your promise that, Father, if it's not good yet, you're not done yet. Mm. Dad, we thank you that we can trust your heart towards us, Mm. that you always have our best in mind, and that you hold nothing good back from us. So, Dad, I just ask that in the coming week, that you would show up in new and fresh ways in our lives. That you would make us more aware of your presence and that you would help us to just enjoy you, Father, that that you would let us know that just being with you is enough. Yeah. And we ask these things in your name.
1: In the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, before we go, there are a few things you might need to know. If you want to get a hold of us for any reason, if you have questions, you have concerns, you want help with anything, or you want to support what we're doing, you can reach us at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page simply called Life Hurts, God Heals. You can like us, follow us, and then you can make comments or ask questions there. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Take care.